Ugh, my life is so boring these days. Really? It sounds stressful. I mean, it's stressful, but not in like a fun, like, ooh, yay, yeah, yeah, way. It's stressful in like a kind of, I feel like my like skin is like eating itself and I'm like slowly becoming like smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Hopefully to one day become bigger and bigger. Anna, can I send you an invoice for this hour? What am I, what do I look like here? So two weeks ago, we were a dating podcast. Now we're a therapy podcast. Political playlist. Mind. Mindful with Michael. Welcome to political playlist. <laughs> All right. Are you ready, guys? Happy hour. Happy hour. Oh, God. Hey, everybody, and welcome to political playlist. Happy hour. I'm Michael Kristoff. I'm Anna Muskie Goldwyn. And Anthony is off frolicking He's once taking again. taking a mental health day. It's a mental health day here on our newly discovered therapy podcast. Uh, speaking of coming clean, I have to admit that mm. I am drinking not a hot, a hot water with lemon and honey. What are you, ill? Uh, well, I just, you know when you feel that like scratchy voice? Oh, thing yeah. Coming on? Do you have COVID? Well, no, I'll tell you what I think mm. this is. Um, so last weekend, I was at a birthday party with a bunch of college friends who are many mm. of whom are married. And when you're married, you pick up hobbies like smoking cigars. So what? everybody no. brought like a, br a box of what cigars. What is wrong with your friends? So did they, jump, did had, they jump from like 30 to 60? Yes, pretty much. Um, and so I had a I had a Cohiba that was just left my like mouth. Like a fancy feeling Cuban like cigar? Ashtray. Yeah, yeah. So, you want to know, so when I was like a teenager, we would go and buy those like cigarillo things oh, from the gas station. Yeah. And like I was too afraid to inhale them or like i i didn't even know what i did i just like put my mouth on it yeah i like put my mouth on it and it was like <laughs> and but it was so disgusting and i don't know why i don't know why we thought it was something cool um you know, we did act of it um now also to be clear i i do have a little bit of a sidecar that's okay i'm sorry that is bourbon. not a little bit that's a full glass of bourbon i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna nurse it throughout the evening Okay. Sounds good. Well, I'm drinking a glass of orange wine, a deviation oh, wow. from my normal white wine. Is this one of these like um look it matches like, my walls? Is this what oh wow. Look at talk about production design. You don't give yourself enough credit, Anna. Mm -hmm. Um, is this one of those Thank like you. pet gnats? The like No, a pet gnat is um yeah, sparkling. I, admittedly, I don't really know what I'm talking about. Pet gnat is usually a red wine that has some effervescence to it. This is an okay. orange wine, which means that the grapes have had some skin contact. So it's like, oh. it's not like a rosé. It's basically, it's orange really is, is what it is, which is why it's called orange wine. And just like that, we're back to a dating podcast. <laughs> what um, wine do you like to drink on your dates? I, you know, that was I was like kind of a rhetorical good, question, but I sure. like a good, I'm going to go ahead and answer it, Anna, because I know our listeners and that one DM. That one DM. Serious. Yeah. I am not a big wine on like the I like a martini date uh-huh um you know I mean I love a, a good wine at dinner but like just going out for wine for a drink I, I like if we're gonna do wine then we're gonna like go to the beach and like post Cute. up on a little dune and then, I like that yeah I like that well next That's time like you can bring date. a pet nat and talk about it okay and I'll know I'll know what I'm saying yeah yeah um hey listen before we get to the news just real quick 
fuck Kanye West. Anna, please continue. Oh, Go on. Yeah. Go on. Well, <laughs> if you're listening, you probably saw what we posted. We felt compelled to just yeah. weigh in. I mean, the whole internet's talking about it. We didn't need to talk about it as well. But yeah, no. I agree. Um, well, you know, not to kind of keep things on such a down note, but the news that I wanted to bring forward just quickly before we get into our tweeties is um, some not oh, great... <laughs> Tweeties? <laughs> Wait, that is that like, bad? No, that was just such a like a very like cute way to say, "Hey, I'm about to give you terrible news." <laughs> yeah. Um. Nice. That was. Well- I literally am about to give some terrible news. So you know, wow. last week we ended or didn't end, but we had talked in our conversation about Andy Kim, who was talking about education, and I saw some education news this week that was pretty depressing. Um, Basically, there's a thing that the government does every year called the nation's report card, and that came out. And here's some of what it found, that mass scores declined for fourth and eighth graders in nearly every state between 2019 and 2020. It dropped by the most in 53 years of testing. Reading also fell in most states, dropping to 1992 levels. Four out of 10 eighth graders failed to grasp basic math concepts. One to two points of a drop overall is a significant impact on student achievement. In math, we declined eight points. And the interesting thing is this is across racial, ethnic, lower achieving, higher achieving students, income levels, all of it. So, um, you know, obviously this is the pandemic. This is kids being at home. um, This is cuts to education, all of that. But pretty depressing news um tough to be a kid right now yeah. so if there's any elementary school children listening to that um <laughs> we have a huge you. following in the sixth grade <laughs> well it's so interesting because i you know obviously the the natural uh thing with that report release is the political you know snatching and weaponizing of it right yeah. of course you have republicans coming out you know blaming democratic policies for this blaming you know, mask mandates, et cetera, Democrats saying, well, we've, you know, cut spending and yes, the pandemic, but blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, I think it, it's, it speaks to one of those things that we talk about a lot on this, which is the issue of education and how it's such a long-term fix to the problem that so few politicians want to take on because oftentimes, you know, like other issues that are challenging, it outlasts them in office. So what's the short-term gain? And so the result is that you just have people not taking up this issue. But as we talked about last week, Andy Kim uh, is obviously um, out there helping, helping to champion um, furthering education. So I guess that's positive maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think there are definitely politicians that work a lot in the education sphere. There are a lot of them who have had education backgrounds. I think that you know, yes, it is COVID. It is also that no one has raised teachers' wages in, you know, decades, I would argue, probably yeah. in a lot of places. And so, you know, I think that if I was if I was a Republican and we're talking about like capitalism and markets and all of that stuff, it's like, well, how do we make teaching a more desirable career? Like, how do you create a competitive market for teachers? Yeah. Um, cause I think that's a, a big thing, right? We saw that 
some people uh, dropped out of the teaching force. So, you know, yeah. just some news to kind of like chew on and um, also, maybe talk to your parents about and be okay. grateful if you're a little bit older that you okay. had a great education because seems like it's not happening anymore. I think what's so interesting is like we have wrestled with the idea of remote work right? And as somebody mm. who's, I'm editing a documentary right now, we have four people on our editing team who are all in different geographical places. Yeah. And it's very difficult. And so the idea of being a fourth grader trying to learn in a remote setting right. is, is right. bonkers. Like, yeah. yeah. No, so, I mean, any parents I've talked to who went through it said it was just horrible. So right. politics aside, uh, yeah. there's obviously work to be done. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Well, uh, Anna, let me let me start us off with some good news. On uh huh. Uh, here we go. Some great news for our veterans. Yesterday, my bipartisan Solid Start Act was signed into law. This bill requires the VA to reach out to veterans three times in their first year after transitioning out of the military to connect with them with to connect them with benefits and resources they've earned. Wow. Like, yeah. I don't even know who this is, but I'm so happy. But, well, okay, let me give you a, like a little bit of a hint because yeah. this person, the way they tweet, this might give it away. They tend to tweet, every tweet they send is like multiple tweets that are like chock full of information. Like it's sort of like when people send like a million texts to get one sentence out. Yes, exactly. Yes, but um, it's always like tweet, this. so this is tweet one of like six. <laughs> So. Is it Ruben Gallego? No, but oh. but good guess, good guess. Okay, we'll leave uh, one more guess. Is, okay. Um, is it? Uh, is it a Democrat? It is a Democrat. Is it Jason Crow? No, he's too buttoned up to put that many tweets. <laughs> um, you're right. He's a he's a very concise tweeter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm trying to think of someone like erratic and crazy. Um, just tell me, uh, Alyssa Slotkin. Oh, interesting. Would not Democrat have her for a multi texter. No, she is a very, uh, robust tweeter of robust information. So maybe like, you know, maybe I can relate. She's not very succinct. <laughs> oh, Hey, Elise, uh, Alyssa, if you're listening, <laughs> um, yeah, so here's what's so interesting about this bill, right? So she introduced this bill back in 2020 on Veterans Day. So it's mm -hmm. been almost two years that she has like fought to get this thing through. And effectively what the bill is doing is it, it's kind of like a communication thing, like an outreach mm -hmm. thing. So she had a lot of, she says that she had a lot of conversations with veterans in her district. Also, we should mention she if you're not familiar, she was a former CIA officer. And so, you know, really what this bill is, is just communications and external outreach from the VA to a lot of these veterans who don't, when they get out of the military, they don't know what yeah. is actually available to them at the VA. So it's, you know, on the one hand, great news that like she got this through and this is, I'm sure going to do meaningful stuff, but at the same time, it, does seem like a pretty simple bill that like shouldn't have taken two years to, to pass. Well, I think that what's interesting and like sort of a spotlight to shine on it is that a lot of politicians 
or I should say some politicians do a better job of communicating with their constituents than other politicians. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when I think about Alyssa, she is tweeting and sending press releases and posting Instagrams. Sorry, I just like forgot to speak for a second. Um, <laughs> okay, we're definitely not going to edit that. <laughs> um, about things that are very like local, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that what I take from this is that she talked to constituents who were veterans and basically noticed a pattern that they didn't know services were available. They didn't know how to get the services that they were owed. And so I think it's just an example of like, when you are voting for somebody, vote for somebody that you feel on any level of government that you feel is really going to keep in touch with your community and advocate for your needs. Because the truth is that if you're struggling with something, likelihood is that there's a lot of other districts and communities in the country who are struggling with the same thing with veterans. It's obviously across the entire nation. This is something that's really important, but it sounds to me like a lot of it, yes, it seems obvious, but I think that a lot of it comes from the on the ground experience of like, what are people complaining about? What are they feeling are the holes? You know, you can't expect a politician to just know that right. unless they've experienced it themselves. So, you know, I commend her for putting what she learned out there into a bill that seems to have gotten a lot of support. And I think that's really great. One, one thing like I think is interesting that a lot of our young politicians do very well is use Twitter in a way to like update their constituents yeah. in their districts in a way that I think maybe older politicians or, or others don't do as effectively. And I'm thinking Elise, uh, excuse me, Alyssa here. I keep saying, yeah. Elise. um, I'm thinking of Elise Stefanik. Um, Alyssa does this very well. Uh, Elise Stefanik does this well. Mark Wayne Mullen, I feel mm -hmm. like does this very well and, and countless others. They, well, I would just, you know, in a little PSA, I would say like, go look up who your, yeah. congressional representative is who your city council member is who your state senator is who your state yep. representative is and follow all of them on twitter like yeah or instagram or wherever you get your content just follow them like you might even if you don't like them like you didn't vote for them you might learn something from resources they post etc so i would say yeah. that's like You're one kind get of actionable item you're going to get more, I feel like, up-to-date information on what they're doing and what's going on than you would from a press release or turning yeah. on your local news. Even. Right. Or like just relying on, you know, the news, especially if it's national news. So right. 100%. I think that's a really good point. Uh, um, cool. All right. I'm going to bring us down again. Sorry. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. Wow. sorry I sorry. thought I could have sworn Anthony wasn't here today. This is so, <laughs> the this rain is cloud. Um, okay. And my this... Tweet's a little bit long. It's actually not technically a tweet. It was a tweet of a video. So it's a quote from a video. So it's on brand. Go on. Not succinct, me and Alyssa. All right. Um, okay. We wrap our arms around the families of those who lost their lives today, whose lives were taken from them today. And let me say, yes, thoughts and prayers. You won't get me to say prayer doesn't work. You won't get me to say that because it absolutely does. I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for prayer. Let me say prayer does work but we pray with our feet. We pray and we act. Wow. Um, that's good. It, I'm going to go with a centrist Democrat. Um, and I feel like 
it it feels like she's talking or he's talking about a you know a, a tragic tragic shooting i'm trying to think where there was one of these um is it haley stevens um nope do you want me to tell you yeah so you're a little bit off in the direction it's cory bush so not a centrist uh, okay nope. um nope. uh but you know just like the fact that you didn't know like oh where there was a shooting right, where there was a shooting there was a high school shooting in yeah. st louis yesterday wow um and or i should say when this will air last yeah. week um mm. and two people are dead one student and one teacher and seven people were injured um and the shooter was a recent graduate of the high school and i wanted to just bring this up because there's i did a little bit of sort of looking into the so this is in Missouri just looking into like the gun situation in Missouri the mental health situation in Missouri because I think that you know obviously for Corey and any other Democrat really these shootings are sort of the the directive to keep pushing for action on gun legislation these shootings for many Republicans you know, for some Republicans, it is trying to find bipartisan agreement in certain legislative efforts for guns, but a lot of it is focused on mental health. And what was interesting about this shooting is that the note from the shooter said, I've been an isolated loner my entire life. This was the perfect storm for a mass shooter. Wow. Um, so That's I thought pretty, the mental yeah. health element of it was kind of poignant yeah. in this in this regard. Well, what's... What's interesting about, and and perhaps also, you know, tragic among several things tragic about these mass shootings is that when I talk to my friends in uh, news and journalism, they talk about how they've become so commonplace that they oftentimes are no longer the lead story mm, because wow. yeah. that isn't, it, it, it's not that people, you know, can't stomach it. It's that it's not as newsworthy anymore not as surprising it's not as surprising because of its frequency and i think you know that that's so sad on so many levels uh that you know in many ways we we have become desensitized right to it. Uh -huh. yeah i mean i think that like i i liked what she said we pray with our feet i thought that was a really i don't know to me that as a writer, yeah. I found that to be very, uh, no, that's very that's powerful. Nice. Um, but yeah. you know, just kind of a little bit of background. So this is happening in Missouri. So let's just kind of look at the difference between the way that Missouri treats guns or lack thereof difference mm -hmm. and treats mental health. So on the guns, uh, can you guess where Missouri falls in terms of the, uh, rate of gun deaths in the united states mm. i'm gonna say pretty low or sorry like the the number of people who die from guns oh. where would they rank um i don't think that many uh i'm gonna say high yeah so they're number five they're the fifth highest whoa um rate of gun deaths in the united states they had an wow. increase of 70 percent from 2011 to 2020 which is compared to 33 percent increase nationwide uh in missouri wow. the leading cause of death for teens and children is gun violence and they have 
no Why background is Missouri checks. Missouri so dangerous. Wow. Uh, we should ask someone from Missouri. Yeah. Um, they have no background checks on guns. They allow people to conceal carry handguns. There are no laws prohibiting domestic abusers from from possessing guns. Wow. So very lax. Um, you know, St. Louis is up there on sort of most violent, dangerous cities to live in, um, which is, I think, where some of these stats come from. Mm-hmm. But then interestingly, on the mental health side, last year in 2021, Missouri was actually the last state to enforce a federal law that was designed to ensure mental health care was covered by insurance the same as physical ailments. So, you know, we look at the gun laws. What does that tell us? There's a Republican majority in the state legislature, et cetera. Right now, the sort of Republican messaging around mass shootings, especially since Uvalde, has been mental health, mental health, mental health. Yep. Missouri's track record in being a proponent of mental health care and coverage is not that great. Yeah. So, um, you know, this shooting, it's like insane to call it a small shooting. It was not a mass shooting. A mass shooting is four right. or more people. Um, but a shooting nonetheless, and two people died, and a school shooting nonetheless, which is terrifying. And, you know, I just thought, like, it's it's just a continuation. This isn't shocking, like you said, unfortunately. Um, but I think, you know, for people like Corey, it's like you watch this video of her, and it's like, yeah, this is a great speech. Um, but I don't know if it's going to. What are the actionable steps that. Yeah. A, she yeah, can like, take that B, others can take. and Right. Uh, and yeah. that like Republicans can take if they say that this is a mental right. health problem. Well, let's right. flood the zone with mental yeah. health care and research. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm. sorry to be a downer again, but just wanted to mention, yeah. mention that. Okay. Um, well, I guess I'll bring it up a little bit but okay. uh, i'm gonna go to our trusty uh like one step up one step above one school step shooting. up yeah um so here we go um i'm not gonna say what state this is okay because it'll well i guess this will give it away anyway but um ny farmers should not have to pay the price for reckless decisions in albany I will continue to bring the concerns of our farmers to the highest levels and continue to oppose the lowering the overtime threshold. Is it Elise Stefanik? It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Elise that Stefanik, was, number three Republican in the House. Yeah. Representative from New York. Obviously. And one of the more, I think one of the more interesting people in the young Congress, uh, yeah. in my opinion, just given where she has sort of moved and shifted within her political tenure. I mean, when she was elected, I believe in 2014, you know, she was a Romney person. And yeah. so she came in a very moderate Republican and, you know, was was very much uh, about solving climate change was uh, very open on a lot of social issues like gay marriage and um, was also uh, very interested in uh, comprehensive immigration reform, you know, and really has now gone so far to the kind of 
MAGA Trumpism side of the Republican Party that uh, I think, you know, she has obviously figured out a calculus um, among her constituents. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to ask, like, do you yeah. think that before we talk about the specificity of the tweet, because I think it's interesting, but yeah, do you think, in all honesty, that it's like all a tactic? I do. Or do you think that I she, do. I mean, not that I ever want to say like any politician believes everything they're saying because none of them do, but like, is it, I guess this is my question. Yeah. 10 years from now, maybe less, whatever, Elise Stefanik becomes Speaker of the House. Yeah. Is her policy, or I should say maybe 15 years from now, are yeah. her policies that she champions the policies more aligned with what she came into Congress as, or is it what the sort of leadership of Republican party right now, including her is pushing forward? Well, admittedly, she's somebody who is very talked about um, on, on the right, as far as a lot of Republicans who feel disenfranchised with the party criticize her. And a lot of Republicans who, who love where the party is going herald her mm -hmm. right so she's very interesting i my personal opinion is that she has made a very strategic calculation saying mm -hmm. that she is better as the farther right and the the more she's shading towards that uh trump populist point of view on so many issues the more she's going to galvanize voters uh mm -hmm. in in favor of her and so to answer your question Bluntly, no, I don't believe she believes many of the things that she's saying. And I don't think that that makes her a bad politician um, or a bad person. I think that she has just very much, you know, answering to the will of. Yeah, I guess sometimes oh. I just wonder with that. It's like, is it is someone like her? Is it this thing of because she did come in with these more moderate policies? It's like, no. Yeah. Is this a, okay, this is my means to an end. Like this is my means to getting to a place where I can platform, you know, what I actually believe. Again, like I, right. I just no, think I get what you're saying. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think there's any, I don't think she came into this being like, oh, let me just say that I'm for, you know, climate reform and, and that climate change is real only yeah. to like, you know, pull my hood off and be like, hey, just kidding, you know, right. go big oil. No, I mean, I think she is a very smart person and I yeah. think she's a very skilled so, politician. So your tweet is specifically about yes. farmers in New York. I mean, both of us grew up in yeah. Connecticut, very close to New York, something that I feel like people is always like, oh, it's New York City. Yeah. There's like a whole state that's no. really big and there is a lot of rural. agriculture. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Huge. explain, explain. What so and this about. is where I think like, you know, a lot of the her district is a is a very rural district in in, you know, kind of northern part of the state. And I think that going back to your question about like, who are her constituents and is she fighting for them? And I think this is a great example of it, it appears as though she's fighting for them. So she's written a letter. Love a letter. Uh, yeah, I love a good letter. Uh, she's written it with uh, a number of other people in the state. Lee Zeldin um, mm -hmm. included uh, and um, Claudia Tenney, who used to be on our platform. Um, and no, basically, she did it. The guy she beat did. Uh, Andrew Garbarino. Was no, Claudia never? Andrew Claudia Tenney beat Andrew Brin 
Brandisi, I think his name was. Oh, right. Anthony Brandisi. Anthony yeah. Brandisi. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Be, Garbarino yeah. is in Long Island. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, how well do you know your platform? Yeah. Um, so basically, they wrote a letter to the Farm Laborers uh, Wage Board uh, and the New York Labor Commissioner, basically in response to a report and a proposal that the wage board wants to lower the overtime threshold from 60 hours a week to 40 hours a week. Meaning if a farm worker is working 40 hours, 41 hours, that 41st hour becomes overtime versus if they're working 60 hours, that 61st hour is the first start mm -hmm. of overtime. So mm -hmm. what uh, Elise is uh, saying is that this is going to result in a 42% increase in labor costs, which total approximately $264 million a year on these farmers. So the head farmers, the, the people who own the farm, the right? owners. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, a lot of these folks are small business owners. They are, you know, family owned farms and whatnot. And the, uh, according to their letter, a lot of the farm workers actually are against this huh. because of the fear that they're, this is going to reduce the number of jobs, that this is going to be, if they mm. raise it, right? The, They'll the only be able to afford paying so much. Exactly. So the farm yeah. owners, I have to make up that cost somewhere. So instead of 20 farmers working on my farm. I now can only have 15. Right, right. Five people out of a job. So right. that's their their case. Um, and I guess, you know, my question is, I, I think there's a lot of logic in that. And this is the eternal, like, worker versus boss, you know, yeah. conundrum, right? And we see it, you know, you and I also work in the film business. We see it with crew hours, right, on movie sets and, and TV sets. It's like, you know, wanting to protect the workers on long hours, but sometimes you have tight budgets and you have to do it. And, and this seems like this is one of those things where it seems sort of drastic to just go from 60 to 40. And I wonder, is there like a, like a 50, yeah. you know, it's, compromise? It's like, I, this or is maybe like it, such a naive thing to, to say. Yeah. But I just like, I, I just feel like we need some sort of way in this country to better distinguish a corporation from a business. Because I feel like, yes, there are small business, farm, small farmers, family-owned farmers, whatever. But in New York, there's also a lot of like much more industrial farmers. Right. And those more industrial farmers, if that's the correct term, but you know what I mean? Um, no. they, they should be able to afford paying the higher labor costs without cutting jobs, um, and using that money instead of disseminating it to their investors or whatever, they put it into their labor costs. But yes, right. the family owned farm with 20 employees, I don't think it is good for the economy or for any of the people working at that farm for them to have this higher or sorry, lower um, overtime demand uh, or regulation be in place. And I think it goes across all business, you know, like we right. hear, oh, I'm a champion for business. It's like, well, which business? Because if you're a champion for the 2000 person 
multi city, you know, big public publicly traded company, that's not the same as I'm for the, you know, coffee shop that has three locations in my city. It's just very different. So, you know, without getting into the weeds on it, I just think like when people hear stuff like this, it, it is very all encompassing in a way that I think we've been trained to just like accept. But the reality is that business in our country is so complex and there's so many different levels and sizes. It's not a one size fits all. Or like your analogy of the film industry. It's like, okay, well, if you're an independent movie, right, there is an all hands on deck mentality that maybe you have a crew that is more understanding of that. But I know people who have worked on huge, you know, tens, hundreds of millions dollar budget movies for big studios that have a lot of money to put into those movies and they're still worked 20 hours a day. So it's like, I think that in all industry, we need to have better understandings of what constitutes quote unquote small and what constitutes large corporation. And I don't think that we as a public or we as a government or whatever have done a very good job of making that distinction. I agree. And I think this also speaks to the idea of, you know, we are seeing record inflation. We're seeing the cost of everything go up. And, you know, as I've heard people say, like, everything's going up but my paycheck, right? And so clearly this is stemming from the idea that people are underpaid, right? And we talked about it in the education workforce. We've talked about it in a number of workforces that, like, the cost of living is significantly outpacing yeah. what people are earning. And we're seeing this with, you know, uh, non-college educated workers. We're seeing this with college educated workers and the debt and, and uh, you know, student loans that they've accrued. And, and so it just seems like things cost more than people are making. Yeah, yeah. And that seems like a really, like, scary thing in our country. A hundred percent. Um, and hey, that's I like, found a way to make it dark. <laughs> I mean, God, sorry to anyone listening today. Oh, There's like really not like much. Dark one, kind of. I mean, the veterans was good. We should just, yeah. let's just end loot yeah. back to that. Veterans are going to get better communication, Yeah. but sorry for the rest. All right. Well, on that note, cheers, Anna. Cheers. Thank you. Also, my mug says pink. Dude.